Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 103 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And in today's episode, we want to get some, uh, I guess, some uh, clarify a couple things. We've had a couple questions come in on uh, some of the things we've said in the past, and we wanted to make sure we clear them up so that everybody understands uh, the concepts behind the discussions we had or some of the answers we may have provided that may not have been as clear. So uh, so we want to correct a couple things in today's podcast. Uh, the first is uh, regarding 99211 billing, um, and in this case, uh, specifically with the interstim, um, and have that discussion. And then the second thing is we want to discuss uh, billing uh uh, E&M visit in the post-operative period, uh, in the global period, and what that takes and, you know, routine versus what constitutes a, uh, or what warrants a modifier 24 on the, in the post-operative period. So we had that question come up as well. So, so with that, um, Mark Ray, you want to get started and, uh, Share, share, Mark. I guess what, how this, the first one came up. You were having a discussion about the podcast, I think, and uh, there was a certain understanding or, or, or misunderstanding of something that I might have said. So, so Scott, first let's um, clarify back uh, the, um, the it was not interstim, but PTNS. That was the the issue which so a little similar but not exactly the same thing um so um yeah so um i was uh out um visiting um with a, a practice um that uh that and we were having a very nice discussion and they were uh talking to me about how they enjoyed the podcast and had some questions and um, so it was a real pleasure um, working with the, this group and and talking to them um, throughout the day on some of the issues. And it's always good to 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 get connected with a, a group that's as nerdy and and divey <laughs> into all the <laughs> rules and regs as as we do. I think he'd actually fit well at a <laughs> dinner conversation at the at the painter household. Um, so, um, but. Uh, but yeah, we um, well, we the discussion we had was surrounding when when can you bill a nine nine two one one in addition to uh, a a procedure done in the office that's really primarily done by the nurse, like injections and PTNS and um, you know another one might be a catheterization or a fill and pull. Uh, you know, those types of things, depending on which state you're in, obviously. Um, but, you know, the, the kind of the overarching piece was that they were they, they uh, got from one of our answers or one of the podcasts that 
uh, medical record concil- uh, reconciliation or medication reconciliation um, was uh, something that was not part of that PTNS visit or, you know, maybe not part of a catheter change. So why couldn't you charge extra um, for that ENM visit? And so, and I, I think the important concept that you've got to remember um, is that, you know, those procedures um, have of PTNS and and uh, and catheter do have globals um, of zero. Um, now, the injection codes have actually an NCCI bundling edit with the office visit, including the 99211. So you've got to have, you know, you've got to kind of treat those as modifier 25 encounters where significant separately identifiable services are done that are clearly separate from the service that's provided, but also medically significant um, in what you're trying to do. And you know, medical record recon or medic medical medication reconciliation. Maybe I'll I'll figure that out by the end of this <laughs> discussion. Um, is um, is really not a, a separate uh, issue from that standpoint of significant and separately identifiable. Um, it is something that you are going to do medical re- uh, medical reconciliation um, in on your patients on a routine basis. Um, it's part of their overall care and something that, you know, you would want to make sure that you cover in the practice of good medicine overall when you're providing some of those other services. So um, you really need to be addressing um, something completely different um, for that particular patient. You know, if you had somebody that was in for PTNS and maybe they were also uh, a, uh, an individual that had um, recurrent urinary tract infections and a fairly standard protocol where the the nurse actually runs out and checks with a PA or an, a doc because um, the urine that day wasn't clear or the patient had some um, uh, dysuria and you checked a urine and decided to, um, without the physician coming in the room, um, do, you know, start her on uh, uh, some or him on some medications on that visit. You know, that's that's a clearly separate issue and that that visit, you know, could be billable as a, 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 a clearly focused and separate problem from the PTNS. Um, you know, so so you got to make sure that you are considering the concepts overall with the 99211 uh, and really also considering that, you know, if it's, you know, even if it's not 100% um part of the procedure that you would do on every patient, but that it is, in fact, you know, that overall global good patient care relative to that patient's condition that, 
um, th- that you're you're probably going to consider those things bundled in that day. So you you need to be careful. It's definitely nuanced. Um, and then also remember that the nine nine two one one is one of those procedures um, that is uh, you know scrutinized by the payers because uh, of of the effort that it is required may not be something significant or considered significant because it was a nurse only visit. Um, so you want to make sure that you're clearly documenting that it was medically significant as well as separate. That made sense. It did. Are you seeing a lot of urology clinics billing the nine nine two one one? And if so, what, what, what are they doing it in what, particular cases are they doing it so i i i will tell you that i i don't see it as a high volume code um and a a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know as a specialty group um if the patient's being seen for something you know in addition to a procedure being done that day that's medically significant and separately identifiable, uh, oftentimes that that part of an encounter is being done by a PA or a physician, so the 99211 doesn't apply. Um, you know, the 99211 is um, something that is appropriate for encounters when maybe not, in, when something else is not being done and the nurse is, is seeing the patient with the physician or a PA in the office, um, uh, so it's not that it is not billed, it's just not billed that frequently. And then the other reason I think this was a good one to address is, you know, I, I have been getting a number of, uh, invitations to some of these other coding groups, uh, teaching, uh, physician groups that the 99211 is underutilized. Um, but those targets are, are probably are, are more directed to your primary care encounters um, than they are specialty encounters. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, and, and again, they are also focused on making sure, and we'll have to assume, I haven't attended any of those recently, but you have to assume that they're doing a good job of, of truly supporting that those visits, you know, get treated like modifier 25 visits on the nurse side, and they really do need to be something significant and separately identifiable. Ray, thoughts? Well, I I think we need to just interject at this point that it's very important not to take anything that we say or any other rules out of context. Because a sentence that's stated in explaining one thing may not be applicable in another situation. So uh, you, you need to understand the concepts as we go along in order to apply the rules. All right. Yeah, and and it's it's rare in coding that one size fits all. <laughs> all right. That's a nice segue into the next. Uh, into the next clarification that we wanted to do um, in in this case, um, and we can use a specific example of a of a prostatectomy, and then let's say in the post-operative period, 
in the prostatectomy, then you discuss the uh, the the the, you know, the procedure, kind of how it went, and then also shifted the conversation to the cancer plan uh, within that discussion. So where does it where does it actually meet the threshold of a modifier, and how do we how do you how do you make that distinction? Yeah, so um, so you know, as as we've gone through and discussed um, various concepts, um, you know, cancer uh, in the global period of a terp or a simple prostatectomy, um, in which the target of the procedure um, was bladder outlet obstruction or BPH, and then um, you get an incidental finding um, of cancer that, you know, you didn't do that procedure um, or have any types of discussions surrounding prostate cancer at all, um, except to maybe cover it as a risk in those particular circumstances so that, you know, you you do have circumstances in which that separate issue really is not related at all to the standard uh, recovery of the procedure um, or the um, the actual um, disease process treatment for which you did the surgery. Um, so that's you know that that is separate from um, somebody who has a prostatectomy um, for cancer. And then, you know, after you get the results back, um, you are talking to the patient about what stage that cancer is and that, yeah, we're going to follow your PSA um, going forward and we're going to need to watch this because of that Gleason um, score. Because that would be, you know, really more along the lines of that standard follow-up and this kind of falls along the same lines of, you know, what do you do after a stone, um, you know, and, you know, talking to the patient about their stone panel and, you know, ways to prevent stones in the future, which would be something that you would do routinely uh, as part of that follow-up of that procedure. So um, there, there's a definite uh, nuance there. Um, and when you're you're talking about why you did a procedure and what is kind of that standard piece and what really is separate care um, above and beyond the procedure um, that you you can charge for separately. So you want to think about um, you know both the NCCI uh, rules and the global rules that Medicare puts out um, to, to try and separate what is truly uh, a billable e evaluation and management event um, for uh, your patients based on the fact that they have a separate disease process and it is separate from the procedure recovery. So it's not just a kind of a, a black and white issue, I guess, is the best way to put it. It's it's a little bit nuanced. 
Um, and it really should be considered um, uh, if uh, or billable only if you are really outside um, that normal follow-up piece and you know like the the cancer discussion in the follow-up of a, a BPH related or a bladder outlet obstruction related simple prostatectomy or TERP. Um, that one's a little bit clearer on those things. So, but that quick follow-up of, hey, we figured out exactly what stage your Gleason is, and we're going to need to follow you up with a PSA. You know, that that is not really um, outside of that global. So, you got to be careful, again, in interpreting um, when it's billable and when it's not and how applicable it is to every single situation. Um, cause it is nuanced. Ray, you had some, some thoughts on this when we were prepping for this discussion. Yes, it's, it, it's a multi-layered thing is the way I look at it. Number one, your routine post-operative care was the ACS's original package adopted, et cetera. And that takes care of your routine post-operative care. Now, Medicare has added several things onto that, including complications of the procedure. And they've also added that uh, instead of just being post-operative care for the procedure, it's routine stuff you would do for the disease process in a post-operative care. So the bottom line is now, if you go in for a post-operative visit and you're strictly following up on the procedure and discussing anything that you routinely would with everybody that are the majority that have that procedure, you can't bill it. However, if you jump out of that into discussing the treatment of the disease process that is not routine for all of the, say, the radical prostatectomies you do, this one has uh, some uh, cancer potentially left behind, positive nodes, and you're going to have to go into additional treatment. Now, that is treatment of the disease process and should be billable separately. Uh, now, where you get paid for it or not is a different issue because the modifier 24 also requires a different uh, diagnosis. So, Mark, does the modifier 57, or I mean, not 57, 58, fit in here anywhere with its third definition of treatment of the disease process? So not with not with ENMs um, in the global. You've got to look at the really the 24 as your post-op ENM service that's out there. And, and you got to be careful as to what's, you know, what's there, you know, and, and you, you mentioned that, yeah, okay, you've got, you know, uh, some spread of the cancer um, that's there and having that discussion of we need to refer you over to oncology probably isn't, you know, that 
qualifying event that puts you into the use of that modifier 24. Um, so again, it's th- there's a little bit of nuance that you know you really have to be, you know, a, a detailed note um, that is far above and beyond um, and outside of what would be considered in that global or that routine global and that global package. So, and and we're really, you know, I think, you know, in, in a lot of our discussions that we go through, we're talking about, you know, situations and trying to give really clear examples of when they could be used. And I, I think one of the things that that's out there is, you know, sometimes I think it gets interpreted a little too far, if you will, as to, you know, what what you could do um, that's out there. And and ultimately, you, you want to think about, you know, that that visit um, that fits in that, uh, you know, separate from and different from the overall piece as as also being medically significant and necessary and and not just in the fact that it's a significant disease and it's a significant issue to the patient, but that it is significant from your medical decision-making and your medical management within that post-operative period that really is different from um, and, and significantly different from what you would normally consider post-op care. All right, let's hone in on that just a little bit tighter. And uh, so I have a patient that comes back in that does have some spread of the disease that we need to, to get an oncology consult on. And I just document that the problem is there and we need to refer you. Uh, So we would not charge that because it was not really significant enough a discussion, et cetera, et cetera, although it was uh, not a routine part of my post-operative care because most patients I do radical on are not going to have spread of the disease. That one we wouldn't bill. But the one that I sit down and talk to the patient uh, 15 or 20 minutes on the fact that there is a spread, we do have a problem, we do need to do something about, here are your options, we can watch this or we can do that or we can do this, and we uh, eventually wind up referring them to the oncologist. Now, does that fit the both the uh, fact that it is unrelated to routine post-operative care and a significant event that I should bill? It it sounds like that to me because you've got uh, you know a, a situation where your your nodes were not part of your original approach that you didn't have that you know as part of the the treatment you you might have been thinking that it was uh, you know limited to the prostate and that this was all you were going to need to do so that you're now outside of that normal care. Now, if you had kind of teed that up ahead of time, I think you'd have a harder time supporting that that was not 
part of the care. So that, I think that's some of the nuances that are there that you need to, you know, be very careful when you step outside that box, when you're that close to the disease state. Yes, sounds good. All right. And I think, Ray, you also mentioned that the payers are blurring that line of interpretation even more nowadays than they did in the past. And, and that's what I think we need to guard against. And one of the reasons we wanted to have this discussion is some payers are mistakenly uh, interpreting related to post-operative care is related to anything related to the disease and the procedure. And that's not the way it in was intended to be and not the way it should be because you're paid for and you're paid for your routine post-operative care. Medicare has added complications, but having a, an, uh, a spread of the disease or something you didn't anticipate in the surgery is not a complication. It's getting you out of the box and dealing with the primary disease process, which you should be paid for. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, wrap it up on that. That uh, I think hopefully we clarified those two issues uh, to, on today's episode a little bit more. And I will remind you that uh, coming up on July 23rd, 2022, we have our urologist coding workshop where we're going to be uh, talking about modifiers, A&M, and a lot of these uh, a lot of scenarios and answering a lot of questions and i'm sure we'll have uh, similar discussions to this but it's uh, we do encourage you all to join us for that you can go to the episode page that's prsnetwork.com forward slash 103 for episode 103 and there's a link to sign up for the workshop there so uh, we do encourage you all to join us these are the, the, these are the things you learn and uh, the things that you can help uh, that we can help uh, clarify if you have any questions and we'll do a lot of that at the workshop okay final thoughts uh, Ray just be sure your documentation over supports what you're billing when you're dealing with these issues and Mark yeah it's a remember the nuance this is uh you know, you can't take this and, and hear what you want to hear. You need to hear what you have to hear um, on all of this stuff. So so think it through and understand that it's not a one-size-fits-all situation, that it is very nuanced and it really does need to be carefully selected and, and used um, only in those circumstances where there's clear support. All right. Well said. Okay. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music 
on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.